Welcome to the Swike Podcast, the only podcast that shares the stuff you didn't know you needed to know about jobs, careers, and life. The Swike Podcast, the stuff I wish I knew earlier. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier podcast. We're here with one of our new guest hosts, uh, Brian Yang. So he comes to us with a background in engineering and, and consulting and a whole bunch of other things and, and gaming uh, as well. So we'll chat a little bit about that. But uh, Brian, thanks for being on. And uh, how are you doing today? Absolutely. I'm doing fantastic, energetic. Uh, it's a Friday as well. So, uh, you know, sun is out, feeling fresh. <laughs> Sounds good. So why don't we start off a little bit about telling us what you're doing now, uh, and then we'll get into kind of the backstory. So what are you up to these days, Brian? Yeah, so what am I, I, these days I am doing a bit of soul searching. I feel like maybe that's probably <laughs> the best way to do it. Uh, so maybe, I, maybe, maybe let, me, let me put it more concretely. So professionally, I am currently working as a uh, senior consultant in Deloitte, uh, I guess the system engineering group. I really don't know what that means. I've never really <laughs> known what that means. Uh, the whole Deloitte structure is still a bit of confusing for me. But what I help do is more digital consulting side. So what we do is we take a product um, that the client wants to implement. So let's just say a certain um, client wants to build a digital app. Uh, we go in and we sort of do the delivery work. So we mm-hmm. you know, ask the requirements, build the sort of specific features, the UIs, et cetera, et cetera, and we basically deliver that product for them. So I am one of the consultants that help deliver that work, and that's kind of the professional job of what uh, kind of pays the bill. Um, in terms of like who I am as an individual, I am extremely active um, in terms of trying to uh, be better, uh, just be better in general, um, you know, fitness level, um, working out, training for basketball, calisthenics, these are some of the pieces that um, I try to do on a daily basis. Uh, you know, other pieces are like gaming. I try to maybe taking taking a little bit of a step back, but that's another piece where it actually had a significant impact in my life, which will might get into, might get not, depending on what the time mm-hmm. permits. Uh, but overall, I think still, even now, um, even in, I would say, my early 30s, I still trying to look for what's next. Um, There's a reason why I reached out to Luki to see what the whole life coaching is about, which is a piece which has always been pretty, which for me has always had a huge impact in my life and something that I I want to pass them forward. So a lot of different soul searching, um, not the greatest concrete answer, but that gives the gist of who I am. Sounds good. So uh, we'll park uh, kind of where you are right now and go sure. a little bit back in time and ask like, what was Brian like as a kid? So what are some of the earliest fondest memories that you have? So what were you like growing up as a kid? Yeah, so early as a kid, it's a bit interesting. I'm not gonna lie, my memory has pretty hazy at this point. <laughs> okay. Um, so I would say I grew up in China. Um, and then I, we immigrated to Canada when I was about nine years old. Um, as a kid, I was always pretty active. Um, honestly, I can even let's you know what let's fast forward to when I had when I feel like I developed something, right? So, <laughs> I think in high school is when I really kind of started to find myself. Um, the idea of being very social. Um, I think the idea of being an extrovert, uh, really looking for people's validation, whether that's a good or a bad thing for me, that was very important. Getting people to like me, getting people to um, empathize with me, and be with getting people to quote unquote listening to me, um, mm. to was 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 decently important. I wasn't necessarily the greatest uh, student in high school. Um, I don't think I'll get in trouble for this. Ah, whatever. Um, I'm pretty sure I cheated on every single subject in high school. Uh, that includes physics, math, whatever, whatever. Um, and then I kind of got into university 
like, with like barely scraping the bottom. No, I wouldn't say scraping the bottom. Like I think so my average was like 85, right? So 85, 85%. Um, I was like, I was like smart enough to work around the system. Um, the stuff that I really like, so chemistry, I actually did really well in chemistry. Uh, math, I did really well in math. Uh, social, social studies, uh, which is something I barely passed. Um, that one, I think I just cheated my way through. Biology, I hated that stuff. Oh my God, that was bad. Um, so for me, it was about a place where I wanted to have fun. I wanted to meet friends. I wanted to hang out. I wanted to um, really have people listening to sort of my ideas and sort of my philosophy. So sort of that extrovertedness is sort of like who I slowly found myself in high school. Sounds good. So even leading up to that, um, I, I guess, what sort of influences did maybe maybe parents or like family members or, or those around you have? So uh, the, the typical Asian, like doctor, lawyer, accountant, engineer. <laughs> like yeah. 85 is, is pretty good. But as you said, like you weren't doing well. Like that's, uh, I think, like an Asian fail. <laughs> that sort of thing. So, but if you're not in the 90s, that sort of thing. How, how were those influences as you were going through that high school process? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's really interesting. So so. So I grew up in a Canadian culture under the parental guidance of an Asian parents, right? <laughs> so like you said, the 85 is not good enough. 85 is basically like a fail, right? Now, the thing is, is when I grew up in Alberta as well. So you mm. don't necessarily have a lot of third Asian sort of diversity there. It's mostly mm. just sort of your traditional Canadian um, Caucasian people. And what the parenting that they had is, you know, let their kids flow, let the kids be wild, let the kids uh, fail and learn, right? Try new things and really be experimental with it. So when, when my sort of surrounding is sort of filled with that sort of exploratory learning process and, where, and when my parents really trying to push me for the grades and for everything else, there was a huge conflict, right? So mm -hmm. I didn't want to be the nerd of the school. I didn't mm -hmm. want, I want to be the cool kid. Um, and like I was decently athletic as well, so it really fit in with sort of like the sports team people. And from that perspective, I think like, and, and from there, there were my friends who I thought they were cool. They were getting the girls, they were getting, you know, the recognition, they were getting sort of all the attention, right? The popularity, that's something that I want, like I was trying to striving towards. Mm -hmm. So that's the idea of like, you know, being the extrovert, being sort of the popularity context sort of really kind of shaped my mind. Again, obviously I still wanted to make like, I don't want to say, I don't want to make my parents mad necessarily want to make my parents happy because back then <laughs> you're a little bit rebellious, right? Yeah. So. I had my grades at an okay level, um, and with sort of the Asian foundation, sort of the, you know, the mathematics skills that you learn in China, it carried forward really easily. Right. Uh, so that's where like in the 85, where kind of like it did, the influence really was from, you know, these friends that I had, these jock friends that I had, uh, right. you know, in, in junior high, in high school, which really shaped in terms of like how my mind is um, of, you know, having that external social circle, having that external influence. I think that was more influential than I would say really any of the, you know, the Asian um, doctor, lawyers, uh, t like um, engineers, et cetera, et cetera. Sounds good. So as you're in high school, you now have all these jock friends. I'm guessing you were popular <laughs> and, or, or were you? I don't know. So, so in high school, it actually took, it took a turn. So in high school, I did the IB program, it was okay. the international baccalaureate program, something like that, which is like the, yeah. the nerdy program, right? Yeah. 
I was still athletic, uh, but I think that's when I would say from like junior high to high school that I transitioned from like trying to be a little bit more serious uh, to to maybe the, the the studies and trying to like you know with all my friends now being in this program, uh, still having like athletic uh, friends. Now the really close friends are you know pushing for the Ivy League school for the Harvard right. and, and et cetera et cetera right. Mm-hmm. So in this group of friends, and this is where maybe like the influence that I had in junior high to kind of becoming that almost the voice of the people really kind of came in. So I was the dumbass of the class, right? <laughs> so I was, I think in physics class, I think I was like bottom, the second lowest or the third lowest mark, whatever. <laughs> um, and these, so these are the friends who had influenced me were like, I wanted to try hard to want to compete with these people, mm-hmm. right? And sort of the, the extrovertness were sort of the, the, the louts, the, the, the people's voice, maybe I, all I can say is where um, I remember we, one of our teachers was going to retire and he was mm-hmm. a very beloved teacher um, that I think was in the school for I don't know how long, right? Mm-hmm. Um, everybody loved his teaching style, his uniqueness, the way that he cuts out kids, almost a very traditional <laughs> Asian way, right? Um, and uh, we wanted to send him a farewell gift. You know, the traditional farewell gift from a high school, you just have like, you know, give uh, like a, you know, a thank you card, whatever, whatever. So. I was like, why don't we all pitch in together and buy him a bottle of scotch? <laughs> okay. Right. So, so I actually, so that was, that was, that was really cool because we, in the end, what we did is we actually not only bought him a uh, bottle of, I think it was like a $500 pair of, uh, $500, $500 bottle of scotch. We also bought him a watch wow. that had an engraving behind it that says never stop. Right. And the whole idea and the presentation of that sort of like farewell treatment was just, to appreciate his sort of mentorship, his guidance towards the students um, for for decades at the school at this point. So I was the dumbass of the class, but for some reason I felt it was I felt it was my duty to kind of organize this thing for the you know for the teacher's retirement. Sounds good. So it sounds like that this beloved teacher that everybody respected. Uh, you wanted to make sure that uh, well, you you did. Well, everybody did right by him and, and, and make it very, very meaningful. Yeah, um, absolutely. I, I, I wanted to chat about, you, you mentioned gaming. Now, now, did that happen during junior high, high school, university, or where, where was that time frame? Man, let's put a, let's put an elementary, junior high, let's put a <laughs> high school, university, uh, you, you know, like during work and even now at this point, right? Okay. So I think gaming, especially when, you were, when you're in, in high school, you have this kind of group of friends uh, who, especially in high school for me, it was all this group of friends that were very nerdy, right? Mm-hmm. And for us, we we bonded together, not necessarily by going out and you know having parties and et cetera, et cetera because I don't think we we knew how to do that. Um, <laughs> we like in, in in high school, we literally came home with a bunch of friends, and we would go on this uh, this like this application. Um, very similar to what we like to think of now as Discord or Teams, whatever, whatever. Back then, it's called Ventrilo. Okay. Um, I don't know if you heard of that, Luki. No, I haven't. You've never heard of it. I'm disappointed in you. I'm disappointed in you because I felt like that was your generation. That was the foundation of the gaming experience. That's what Discord has to build on. So I'm disappointed in you. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> Uh, so we, we so, so basically the very similar idea is that we like everybody would go home and we would um, as soon as we get home we would sit on ventrilo from five o'clock after school to all the way to you know twelve p.m. right okay. and we would do homework together and we would watch you know 
professional gaming together, we would game together, etc., etc. So that's sort of the idea where you just kind of quote unquote hang out, be in each other's presence. Um, really kind of ignited sort of this idea of this com- this almost anonymous community, right? Obviously, these were my friends. So obviously, you know them from real life. But then you eventually get, you have like, you meet these people from online. You're like, who, who is this person? You're like, this is just my game homie. We're just going to bring him in. Like, all right, cool. Let's, let's, uh, we, need, we, need a, we need a plus one anyway. So let's, let's, <laughs> let's bring him in. So that was a lot of sort of like the quote unquote hangout in in high school it was a lot of the sort of the gaming sessions from you know monday to to literally sunday right that you just kind of hang out and then sounds good so you're, you're in high school and all throughout you're obviously playing tons of games and and less about the gaming and more about the community that you, that's being built around it and, and the connections there but Absolutely. at some point uh, your parents are going to say hey what do you want to do for university for school mm-hmm. and stuff like that so, so how, how did that decision come about? Because you ultimately went into engineering, but what was the decision to, to go there? Yeah, so I was very rebellious. Let me put that blanket <laughs> statement right. And I had a very big ego. So when people tell me that I can't do something, I'm like, F that. I'm going to prove you wrong, <laughs> right? Um, so that was one of the traits from your book, by the from your book, which was really interesting. I found that very interesting. So that was a, that's a huge piece of me. So for me, in the entire high school, when I had competing with these who I would consider, you know, world changers, right? Who went to the Ivy Leagues. Um, to me, I wanted to prove them that it wasn't necessarily because I was stupid. It was because I wasn't trying, right? Mm-hmm. Or the system necessarily wasn't necessarily for me. So because they were so technically strong, I had sort of the option of maybe I should go into business, um, so business school, um, and then there was engineering, and then obviously there's the sort of the, uh, the biochemistry to eventually become a doctor. So I had sort of these, these three choices. And then for me, sort of the, the notion of I wanted to, A, to, to, to bet on myself to prove that everybody that I was smart enough to do engineering, um, and to really improve sort of my technical skills, right? So, because I felt that was, this, that was a huge weakness of mine. So that was sort of the first major point of like why I wanted to go into engineering was because I wanted to better my weakness. And I felt that when I was young, I still had that opportunity to. And the second piece, again, going back to the ego, was I wanted to say when, when I was younger, and honestly to this day, is that I wanted to change the world. Yeah. I wanted to change the world with some crazy invention. Right, <laughs> and when we were learning physics, um, the idea of fusion kind of came about. And okay. when we were, you know, Alberta was a very energy-driven uh, province, and the idea was that whoever can come up with an efficient way to make cold fusion possible, they become the world's first trillionaire. Right. Sure. Um, that's not true because, you know, you got Musk and you got, you got Apple, you got all these guys. The tech, I feel like tech's maybe ruling that. But I felt that, like, to have sustainable energy, to have a innovation that will, you know, power almost mankind to intergalactic travel, whatever, whatever, that to me was very important, right? Mm-hmm. So the idea of, like, making an impact, making a technological impact on the world and also improving sort of, like, my foundation, my weakness was a, was a huge factor of why I chose engineering, right? Um, and kind of stemming from that is why I even, quote-unquote, chose mechanical engineering because mm-hmm. of this idea of working with energy, working with um, the specific systems and mechanical engineering being the quote-unquote most diverse engineering. You get to learn a little bit about everything, right? You're very, ge- you're a very generic engineer. 
um, you get to kind of see the world as a whole and how it works and apply to a very specific field. So that's kind of how I chose engineering and eventually got into university. University of Alberta um, is where I went. Uh, I don't think I can get in now. The marks are crazy inflated, <laughs> but thank God I did. So, sounds good. <clears throat> so you go into the university uh, life in, at, at U Alberta. Uh, what was that experience like? And, and then what was the kind of transition out into the working world? Did it kind of meet the expectations? Because uh, right now, like your intro wasn't that you were working on the next Cold Fusion. <laughs> You're doing Absolutely. something a little bit different. So Absolutely. what was that journey like? Yeah, so university was actually very interesting. So university for me, it was a way for me to learn how to learn. Um, I, I read in your book that you were one of the guys who wanted to uh, study, do the books, and go into the little cubicle, rinse and repeat 24-7. <laughs> I was that guy too. I was that guy too. And I realized that no matter how hard I study, I couldn't keep up with these geniuses on the side, right? So these geniuses on the side who I who some of them are very close friends of mine they the way that they understood new concepts and their ability to reiterate that was something that was just god level to me um their way to understand these concepts that are so abstract with no tangible connection to the real world and then reiterate it to a point where they can connect it to basically a very human level was amazing um so to me when I try to just be very self-focused and understood how these um, like how these concepts work. It just didn't go. My brain just didn't function that way. Now, <laughs> what really kind of worked for me was basically in the beginning of second year, probably like second semester, second year, was kind of knowing like who I was in, as an individual and how I learn um, any concept in general. Right. And what was really valued to me. So, you know, even recalling back in high school, the village, the, like being an extrovert, being able to communicate with people, you know, organize the whole you know, farewell party, um, the ability to talk things out was extremely important to me. So I remember trying to be a keener sitting in the front of a class and um, like dead front row. Right. With like, you know, those seats that you have to like, uh, like with the with the. Uh, with the pad that you swing out. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then those seats sucked. We had tables, <laughs> but I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm going to sit in the dead front row, be one of the seats. And there's one dude who came in and sat right next to me. And to me, that's where, like, where, like, I'm like, I'm like, I need to just make friends to, to go to try this method out. So I literally, at the end of the class, I turned to this guy. I'm like, hey, I'm Brian. Do you want to be friends with me? Do you want to study together? <laughs> and that started a relationship and eventually turned to a study group where some of the smartest guy came in and discussed with us. Hmm. So we sort of almost reinvented the way that we study things. We didn't do the whole cubicle thing. We didn't do the whole, you know, going to the library and just put your head down, whatever. We became sort of a study group where we would be there from, let's say, 9 a.m. or whenever the first class starts, right? Like 12 o'clock, 12 p.m., um, 12 12 p.m. to all the way to 10 p.m. And the goal for us is that everything that we do in terms of homework, in terms of labs, in terms of project, we do it together and we do it in an open discussion form. Mm -hmm. And we would tell each other how we think, we would tell each other whether something that we learn was something that we don't learn. Sometimes it's just literally like sitting there, do your own work, right? It's very similar to sort of the gaming days where, yes, we're on this sort of like Discord together, but you're just doing your own shit. Right, mm -hmm. you're not you're not really talking to us, but when you need to, you're like, hey, Luki, like I have a question. Like, how did you do this thing? 
And they're like, oh man, I just did it this way. You're like, oh damn, that's how you do it? It's like, yeah, man, so you have to understand it because it's like ABC and not a BCD, right? You're like, oh, dude, that's brilliant. So right. that, so basically because of that, I think my GPA went from, I think like a 2.7-ish went to um, up from like a 3.4-ish, 3. something like that, right? And then when people realized that the way that we study, it was very fun. I think that's more than anything. It was very fun, right? We had some really brilliant people joining in that group. So basically by the end of fourth year, we had a huge group of like 20 people who were just coming in and out of the group, like me and the guy who I started this thing with. We were just always there. And then we had people, I, I, one of the most proudest achievement that we had was that I think in one of the fluid dynamic class, I think of the midterm with the final, the top seven marks was all from the R study group. I think that to me, I'm like, I was like, I'm like, this is how people need to study. This is how people need to learn, not by going through the book and just memorizing, but understanding, talking with your colleagues and kind of just formalizing that bond. And even to now, dude, like that study group that we had are, are some of the kind of the closest people who I met throughout that entire university. Sounds good. So what I took from that is to uh, make friends with brilliant people, and and if you're one of those brilliant people, then make fun, make friends with folks that'll make studying fun. Yes. <laughs> and kind of yes. cross pollinate all that. I think and, so. And I think to your point about reinventing the way uh, folks learn, I think it's, it's definitely uh, needed. Uh, so so talk to us a, a little bit about now that you're uh, doing pretty well. You have the 3.4, lots of uh, smart friends around. What was the transition into the working world like? Ah, man, it was tough. It was tough because I didn't <laughs> want to work. I didn't want to work. So um, to go back to it, this is where maybe I matured a little bit. I didn't really care about too much of the external validation. This is where maybe I started listening to my parents a little bit. So my legal name is Bo, right? So my legal name is actually Bo Yang. And the reason why I put that is Bo in Chinese translate to doctoral, right? So okay. there was almost an expectation since birth for my parents to be, you have to be a professor, right? Mm -hmm. And at a certain point that almost, at that point in time, it basically aligned with what I actually wanted to do, right? Because the idea of like, um, I had a few co-op terms I didn't really like in terms of, uh, I was doing like, you know, bullshit data industry job and stuff like that, which I didn't really, I'm like, nah, that's not for me, right? Um, and so to me, it was like, I wanted to go into the research path to become a little bit more educated to really tackle the world's sort of like hardest problems. Right. So the reason why I even try to get good grades was I actually wanted to go to like one of the Ivy League school for, for my master's. So whether that's um, my, my, my actually goal was either Stanford or it was I think it was Berkeley. Um, neither of them. Nope. Not, didn't either of them. But that's that's a different <laughs> story. So now going to so basically the idea of transitioning to the working force was I wanted to become a researcher. I was always very focused on going into master's and sort of pushing the envelope of becoming just more technically sound. Mm -hmm. And there was an inflection point where that mindset changed. Mm -hmm. Now, being a professor, obviously, so going to the acad academic route had multiple sort of like variation to it, right? So obviously the, the, the number one was I wanted to push the envelope of um, technology, I wanted to become a researcher, the, the, the you know, fulfill my destiny of becoming a doctor, right? <laughs> that was also, that was, that was definitely on my mind. And I think the last piece, which eventually kind of came on, is having the study group and even having these sort of influence in the, uh, even high school, realize how important to me um, was having, getting my, my voice heard, right? Mm. Showing a perspective that is quote unquote different from the norm, 
um, and showing people that it is okay to be different and still achieve in a different way. So the idea of mentorship, the idea of teaching was extremely important to me. So because of sort of those three aspects of pushing the envelope, sort of fulfill my destiny and really teaching was really kind of pushing me to sort of like becoming, uh, going to sort of this educational route. So that's actually what I did. Now, when I went to sort of this education around even having all of this prior co-op experience, doing you know, um, CAD design, mechanical design, uh, research, and even sort of like the other jobs that are not really that important, there, uh, and a huge inflection point in my life was sort of when that first relationship ended, when my, you know, this first long distance relationship ended. Everything kind of came together, and this inflection point is when I realized that all of the world's problems, none of them are technical problems. Mm-hmm. I feel that every single problem that is caused in this world, and every single problem that I faced in my work um, in during research was always bound to a human problem. It was always either right. a miscommunication or a lack of empathy, a lack of understanding. Something wasn't right going from one person to another. Technically, everything was always sound. One plus one sure. equals to two. Right? Mm-hmm. The drawing is X dimensioned. You can never mess that up, but you can definitely mess up how you communicate that dimension should be one, one when in the reality should be another, right? Units different, all of these are communication to me and that's what I felt it was the most important. So that's when the switch when I realized is that why am I trying to push the envelope of technology when if I say I want to quote unquote change the world, technology is not the problem. If you want to change the world, talk about communication, talk about understanding, talk about empathy, talk about the things that you felt was the root cause of every single problem that you, you saw to, to this day. Mm-hmm. And that's the shift of, okay, let's do a startup. <laughs> okay. Let's do a startup. Let's do a startup, focus on this problem, focus on being to better our communication skills and utilizing your voice, utilizing your utilizing the idea of anonymity, which that idea also came from sort of the gaming world. So a lot of, you know, subject in my life sort of inter, intertwined back and forth um, mm-hmm. to really kind of push this forward. So the idea of doing a startup also sounded super sexy. Who doesn't want to be Bill Gates? <laughs> Who doesn't want to be, uh, you know, Zuckerberg, Musk, the big names of the world? And uh, really trying to push this platform of quote unquote hear out. So hear as in listen. Uh, mm-hmm. This platform was meant to be a storytelling platform to really showcase the stories through a voice uh, media, an anonymous uh, voice media, um, the sort of the, the, the contrast of the world. So back then, it, when I wanted, there was so much positivity, there was almost, almost so much facade in the social media space. I wanted to kind of put the other side. So I wanted to show the pain. I wanted to show, um, you know, the, the, the depression, the sort of the, the anxiety of like, what is there in the real world, right? Um, that unfortunately didn't turn into a billion dollar product. Well, actually, that's not true. The product turned into a billion dollar product. I didn't, I wasn't the root cause behind it. Um, there's a very, there's a product, oh my God, I forgot what's it called. It's, um, I'll remind it, I'll, I'll remember when, when we get there, but uh, the product itself is very similar to something that's that's out there already. Um, it actually came out to the very similar time, but, that, but the, dif- the difference is I wasn't necessarily the greatest entrepreneur. Um, I wasn't necessarily the greatest product manager or owner, um, and uh, the funding in Alberta was very lacking compared to San Francisco. Um, but 
all in all, I would say everything falls on my shoulder, and I think that becomes the where um, the really fault lies. But because of that sort of inflection point, and because of this transition to almost entrepreneurship, the idea of you know um, being an engineer, being trying to solve the world's technical problems, sort of went out the drain. So at that point, the inflection point was really to focus on trying to become, trying to solve the world in terms of being a better communicator, being a better human being, being better right. at being, building relationships and things of that nature. And that's where Sounds I would good. say, I would hit, I hit a pretty low point at that point when the whole <laughs> startup failed. Well, uh, that's totally understandable if, if this was this great idea, uh, universe changing type of thing, and then uh, someone else does it a little bit better than you. <laughs> that, that sort of thing would be a challenge. Now, now, talk to us a little bit about the transition into consulting, and then obviously the path you're on right now where you're trying to figure out, well, what else is there? So what, what's kind of the, 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 the steps and transition that way? Yeah, so, uh, and this is something we can even talk about when we get to it, get, get, get either a future episode or, or whatever. Uh, so when we kind of came out, so basically when I hit this low point, how I kind of got over myself was through, was through gaming. Um, really to kind of build the shattered confidence that I had, really to kind of bring out the extrovertedness that I have throughout the gaming community, throughout this sort of the, anim the power of anonymity of trying to be yourself in this community. So I was basically depressed for about a good year. And through this entire year, all I did was just procrastinate game and just a lot of self-loathing and sort of that darkness that you kind of surround yourself with. At a certain point, what I realized um, even just reflecting back in terms of how I achieve things and how and when I feel the most happy is I need a place of uncertainty. I need a place of foreignness. I need a place where things are quote unquote against me and I need to kind of fight my way through that. So the idea and, and what I felt even through the entrepreneurship days where I went to different sort of like countries and cities to network, that was exhilarating because you had a blank slate, you were, you were able to be, your, uh, to be yourself without any sort of like repercussions. Um, so that sort of the power of like a fresh start was, was so exhilarating. So to me, how I kind of like made that jump was because of the gaming gave me a certain confidence. Of course, we can get into it a little bit later. We, I basically bought a one-way ticket from like from Calgary to Toronto. Now, it's not as, crazy as it sounds coming from like a lot of the other things i had a lot of good friends in toronto if we go back to sort of my high school days all of these world changers from ivy class they were graduated from you know mechatronics from waterloo uh inside from university of toronto just brilliant people right they were uh managers already in deloitte they were you know product owners senior developers etc cetera, etc cetera, because they took sort of that traditional work experience so they were already in the workforce for about four years at this point right mm -hmm. so I, I had a good network here and to me i just wanted to come into a new city and just hustle my mentality came in was i wanted to learn and i wanted to progress and I didn't care if I was employed. I didn't care. Oh, no, my bad. I wanted to learn and I wanted to meet people. I didn't care if I was a job. I didn't care if I was living on people's sofa. I didn't care, whatever. <laughs> I just needed to have learning and meeting people as my two solid foundations. So because of that and because of the, the, the network that I had, I had a bunch of sort of like referrals. 
right? And one of my friend uh, was was basically saying like, Brian, like, um, I know you don't like your traditional nine to five. I know you think that you're going, you're coming down a level, but as a friend, a good level of advice is you need to come down to a normal people level, put your ego <laughs> aside, right? And experience what this is like, right? Because right now you're nothing. And you have to build some sort of at least professional experience to say that you at least tried this and you say you don't like it, right? Right. So he gave me a lot of referrals. Deloitte was one of the people, PwC, just a bunch of things. And what's unique, and I will always be thankful for Deloitte, and specifically the person at Deloitte, the senior manager at Deloitte, was that even when I did the interview, I did the interview very differently. It wasn't your very traditional professional interviews, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it wasn't, it just wasn't, it wasn't me. What the interview that I did at Deloitte was I told the story of how I got out of depression. And the whole idea was I utilized a video game and I applied the mindset when I put into the video game, which made me from a novice player to a, a high ranking player. And I wanted to have that same mindset when I came to Toronto. And what he said was, okay, you're interesting. Let me give you a shot. Okay. So that's how I got into Deloitte. And from that perspective, I think I've been Deloitte for in about, I think for about three years. Um, what I can say for Deloitte perspective is that it has treated me absolutely to the highest degree possible. Um, the way that I got promoted, the opportunity that I got, I think it all, exceeded a lot of people's expectations. Um, and I would say the biggest thing for Deloitte is that it, it, people still continue to allow me to be me, to have this quirkiness, to have this quote unquote professionalism, um, but treat me with a certain amount of respect, knowing what my strengths and weaknesses are mm -hmm. and continue kind of pushing that envelope. Sounds good. Sounds like a, a nice little transition there. And obviously the journey is still going and you're trying to figure out what is the next uh, adventure uh, in, in the uh, pathway. Um, but if you were to uh, go back and, and give kind of young Brian some advice, uh, what are some of the swipe, the stuff I wish I knew earlier that you'd share with him, maybe during high school, university, like the, the major points in your career, what are some of the like one or two uh, different pieces of swipe? And then uh, may maybe we'll uh, start ending it off there. Absolutely. I would say there's one big piece. There's one okay. big piece. And it's something that I am working on now. And it's the ability to be consistent. Hmm. And I think consistency, because I think when you're younger, when you look at these, you know, athletes, you look at these role models, you look at the fame, you look at the charisma, you look at the confidence level, you look at the money, you look at the fame that they had. So you try to be like them, you try to talk like them. And a lot of those good traits are good. But I think one thing that people, though continuously talk about the hard work, the dedication, et cetera, et cetera, they don't talk, uh, it's, it's really hard to understand what it means to be consistent. And I think consistency is something that I've always lacked. I've always been very hot and then very cold, very hot and very cold, which A, really hits you in the mind and makes your mentality a certain way that you don't necessarily want. Um, and I think the idea of being consistent, so for me, how I'm trying to work on consistency is, so I started an Instagram page and the idea was just to post something about activity there, you know, a couple times a week. 
right? Um, was just to, you basically want to do something constantly. It doesn't have to be on a, almost even a repeated schedule of like every single day because that's not, that's not might even be feasible, but being consistent and being consistently enjoying the journey with it, right? Don't focus on what is at the end of the road. Just be happy and have fun of what you're doing and then keep going at it and don't give and kind of don't let go of that. For sure. What I took from that is kind of that expression, the, the overnight success that took 10 years to build. <laughs> Basically, th those folks where you often don't see that hard work in the background. You just see kind of that tipping point where now everybody knows about them. Uh, but typically to get to that point, now there's always uh, kind of folks that uh, for whatever reason that they are successful, like the lottery winners and things like that. Uh, but typically, uh, the ones with sustainable success are the ones that day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute, they're, they're consistently improving themselves and, and doing more and more and better. Uh, and, and I think that that is a great uh, piece of swike that folks can uh, hopefully incorporate into in their own uh, careers and, and journey. But so if folks wanted to, to connect with you, Brian, or folks want to hear a little bit about kind of future aspirations, uh, what can they expect from you upcoming? That's a great question. Um, so where, where can they reach me? Um, so LinkedIn is one, Instagram is another one. So LinkedIn handle, I think it's BB Yang at LinkedIn. I don't know, <laughs> Luki will link this somewhere below. Uh, we'll Instagram handle sure, yeah. is something that I'm trying new. Uh, hopefully go check it out. Hopefully if it's, if it's intrigues you, hit me with a follow, hit me with a like. It is underscore by motion. That is B-Y-M-O-T-I-O-N. Um, okay. I feel like those two are the good places to, to reach me. You can email me, you can, uh, text me. Uh, love to have a chat. It sounds good. We'll uh, link all of that stuff in the show notes. And then what are some of the future aspirations that folks can look forward to hearing from you? That's a good question. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, I want to, again, so, so right now to me is maybe building my own platform up, uh, getting my voice out there, uh, trying to find out what's next. If I do know what's next, maybe uh, I think the idea is let's come back to this podcast and let's let, let's see how I figure that it plays out. Sounds good. We're looking forward to having more conversations and, and thanks for uh, joining us and hopefully we'll have you back for another episode. Awesome. Thank you, Luki. Thanks, Brian. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier, the podcast. If you like the podcast, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you found this podcast. And if you can give us a review, that would be very appreciated. Feel free to contact me on LinkedIn at Luki Danu, L-U-K-I-D-A-N-U, and the same on most social media platforms. And I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks. Bye.